Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. What is good, everyone? Welcome to the Exhaust Notes Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall. I am with my guys, Todd and Rowett, to talk about some Formula One. And we get to talk about potentially one of the most exciting things in Formula One for me personally in a very long time because Formula One's coming to Las Vegas, fellas. And we're all here on the West Coast. That's that's only a 45 minute flight for me. So and I mean, it's uh, during Thanksgiving, because what better introduction <laughs> to American customs and cuisines than a Formula One race set in the unlimited buffet utopia that is Las Vegas? I just can't wait to see all the could not get more Elvis American. impersonators on the grid. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, Todd, your guy, Danny Rick, he's like at a minus 500 to show up at at least one event wearing like the full Elvis regalia. Is oh, not- yeah. Like if there was going to be a guy on the grid to do something like that, it's Danny Rick. Oh, yeah. We've seen from his Coda yeah. experiences. Totally, totally. I mean, before we get into all of that, how are you guys doing? Energize, because we have three races in America, and this is as interesting of a thing as I can imagine, because with the exception of the pandemic races, there's very rarely like one, it's always a one race per country maximum. No. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't really been like a hard and fast rule, but they try to keep it to that in a sense or has they have been. Um, and then we saw, I think this is the, we love to talk about it. Drive to survive effect. They want to capture that American market. Yeah, I I mean I think it's going to be interesting. You know, it's it's uh there's definitely a lot of race fans on the West Coast in the United States, right? Like there's a lot of great races, there's a lot of great tracks. You've got you know Sears Point or Sonoma Raceway now, Laguna Seca in Monterey, uh you know, even even down to like Long Beach Grand Prix, right? Like uh, on the other side of, you know, racing, right? The Long Beach Grand Prix has been around for a really long time. And probably one of the best events that I've been able to go to in person, just period. I mean, you know, the, I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, what types of people it brings out in, in terms of, like, the fandom, you know, because although, like, people go to Formula One from everywhere because it's such a, a rare thing and a rare opportunity to do, I do think that there's a different type of enthusiast that, that you know, on the West Coast compared to, Maybe, you know, Texas and, and Miami and, and even throughout like the Midwest. Right. So I think that's going to be one of the most interesting things. And to, to your point, Todd, about the drive to survive effect. Right. It's it's like now compounding in all these different areas where I can just see how Formula One becomes bigger and bigger everywhere globally because of all of these, you know, strategic kind of placements and timing and all of that. And this race is going to be a night race. Apparently, I, I didn't see if they were if there was a specific date yet. But a night race is really fascinating to me because, one, it's just fun to watch night races, you know, outside of the States. But a night race in Vegas is, you know, just kind of wild. That's the only redeeming quality about this event. But before I poop all over this, Rohit, you can give your thoughts. No, it's I think I'm going to try to set you up in terms of your pooping. So let me be the squatty potty, if you will. 
the direct comparison I can think of is Monaco, right? In terms of the glitz, the glamour, the legalized gambling, just the fact that it attracts all kinds of interesting characters. And similar to Monaco, which after talking with you two guys, it almost feels that is not a race more than it is a procession. And I think we get our version of that because if I understand the track very well, it's going to be very tough to pass people, is it not? Or is that part of your frustrations with this, Todd? Yeah, so... I think the event itself, kind of to Nick's point, will be a spectacle, right? It's everything that we want to see in a, a Formula One race with, like, you know, for lack of a better term, like the flashing lights around for, that involve Formula One. And night races are always cool. But it's like if you took Monaco and, you, like, you made it the trashiest version of Monaco, like... I, and I, I'm a little bit biased because I made the mistake. This is in another life. I was, I was in a band, um, when we were on tour and we happened to be on tour in Vegas during NBA all-star weekend. And it was just chaos. Like everything, like it was cool. Cause we saw celebrities in the casinos and stuff like that, but it was just a billion people. And this is going to be that minus worse traffic because they have to shut down the strip to make a, way, a racetrack. On top of that, I don't care where we race necessarily, but I'm so sick of these like tilkified square circuits that I don't really like street circuits in general, but I like these um like the the track just looks super uninteresting to your point Rohit, like it's got supposedly going to use about a mile of the strip for one of the straights. And <clears throat> that's cool if you're up close and you're watching a c cars go past at like 200 miles an hour. But if you're watching that on TV or, or watching the race for the race itself, it's just going to be processional. I think it's going to be a bunch of DRS trains around the track with the leaders way out front and not much happening on track. So I'm really not other than the aspect of having as Nick said, a race like a 45 minute flight from here. I'm not I'm not really excited about it. No, I was going to say to also utilize Nick's initial question. All we know is it's going to be a Saturday nighttime race. So I went ahead and looked at the calendar on my laptop and we have the 4th, the 11th, the 18th and the 25th when it comes to Saturdays in November for 2023. So my thought is this, it, it'll be that Thanksgiving weekend unless something catastrophic happens. But I don't know. Maybe if this is the coronation, let's say, of America becoming a superpower in the Formula One fandoms, this is great news. But at the same time, I want to also understand the fact that this is, I believe, a 3.18 mile length of a track. And if Todd is to be believed, which I tend to believe him more often than not, and one mile is that strip, this isn't going to be that interesting to me. It's going to be processional. It's going to be a reiteration of what Todd has said. But maybe we are still in our fandom in its infancy that we're just happy to be involved. So if you're going to give us all the races, we're going to show up. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's like, I, you know, I, I like street circuits. I definitely understand that, you know, there's no passing and, you know, it's it's kind of processional. But um, to me, it's just like there's just something really special about seeing the cars on the street and you know um i think that you know having it in vegas is is you know as much as 
I think a lot of Americans look at Vegas and think like, you know, it's a uh, maybe a little lackluster and a little a little phony and and all of those things and a little trashy and all of that. There's definitely aspects of it that are that are very you know appealing to you know the masses, I guess. And I think take that out of the picture and you know to your point about NBA weekend All Star weekend, right? Working in sneakers, I've been really lucky to be able to be a part of a lot of those things. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter, you know, like. New Orleans, LA, uh, you know, I, I didn't get to make it to Vegas, but like New York, I mean, it doesn't matter where it is. You put that many people in that much energy in those many events that, you know, that three, four day weekend of events is just a recipe for chaos. And, you know, I think I just look at it kind of glass half full, right? Like there are going to be some insane events that some people will never even know exist. And if you want to go be a part of it, you can navigate through that. It's no different than any other time going to Vegas, right? It's like, you, you know, you, you could get caught up in all the garbage that's there, or you can, you know, kind of find your way around and, and you know, have a peaceful little spin on the link and, and you know, ride a Ferris wheel. So. Yeah, I, I, this isn't like hate to Vegas itself, but like they could put this track in any metro city. And it would be non-exciting to me because, like, the reason I like Formula One is because of the racing, not necessarily the spectacle. So, like, if it was in, you know, Wilmington, Delaware, I would have the same. Because uh, not not a, a ton of people are going to travel to Wilmington. Yeah, but what would Danny Rick if, show up at? What would his costume be for a Wilmington, Delaware race? That's the problem. He would dress up as. <laughs> is it the, hand, uh, the blue hand? Wait. Wayne or Garth from Wayne's World, and he would just do the "We're in Delaware, yay!" <laughs> yes. That that's that's what he would do. I don't know, but like the spectacle is cool, and I think all of the surrounding stuff, like you mentioned, Nick, will be cool. But like, and even the camera shots, like of you know a car, F one car going down the strip at two hundred miles an hour with like the notable landmarks in the background, is very cool. But one, Red Bull already did that in a promotional video a couple of years ago. That's all I need to see. I don't need to see it 50 times for two hours, you know, like if the racing isn't cool and maybe I'm completely wrong. Generally, that's true most of the time. But maybe these regulations will have good racing because of the regulations. But the overall event, like I, I, I will definitely watch, but I will watch from afar. Yeah, I think I'm coming at it from like a, a my experience at other races, right? Like just use like Long Beach Grand Prix for for as an example. Like when I lived in LA, I actually ran the track, you know, just run a 5K or half mile or, or half marathon or something like it's just a fun thing to be able to do. Um, most of those races include Formula One drift or Formula Drift. Sorry. Um, so there's other events that are stacked on top of the, the F1 race, in my opinion, or there will be. Um, and I think too, like there's always like car shows, kind of ex exhibition halls and stuff. And the cool thing about Vegas compared to like a Monaco, for instance, just going based off of like Long Beach Grand Prix experience for myself, you know, you're, you're sitting right next to the Long Beach Convention Center. It opens up a world of possibilities. You know, I could just imagine all the extracurricular things that are going to happen, the gaming aspects, you know. Like there's definitely a, a solid possibility that you could sit down in a simulator and race against Lando or or any of the guys on the grid, right? Like, I just don't think that that 
exists in most of formula one existence. So I totally, I, you know, I think it's like just kind of, it's the give and take of, of doing something in a, in a place like Vegas where like the entire economy is built on the event industry and people just blowing money. So I, I, I do think that it's going to be interesting to see how the track itself, you know, from what we've seen, it does seem pretty, pretty boring to, to your point about if, if that's really just one long straight and a third of the track is, is one long straight. I don't know how fun that's going to be in terms of racing, but uh, you know, I, I didn't expect racing to be as exciting this year as it has been already. So if they do make those strides by, you know, I mean, this is, this is still 2023 we're talking about. It's not going to happen this season, but you know, that's almost two years away and, or, you know, a solid 18 months plus away. And maybe there are things that, that happen that, that make it yeah, and I more think interesting. So, I don't know. Point, Nick, there's no city better in my mind than Vegas to handle the chaos factor of all this. This is where they kind of butter their bread in a sense. So I think it's good. I think it also is that perfect port for international travelers that may have never come to America. They get to indulge in America's debauchery at the prime location for said debauchery. The thing that was also really fun for me was, I don't know, did you guys catch the YouTube video where they introduced the news to the individual drivers themselves? Because there was a lot of giggling and a lot of, we're going to go there. This is going to be sweet. And if we are to believe our last episode where we think Yuki is on the hot seat, I just beg the racing gods, let let Yuki make it to Las Vegas 23. Because I feel like there will be a not at the table Carlos moment with Yuki in some way, shape or form. Yeah, that I mean, the, the reactions of them, Danny's Danny Ricks was especially funny to me because he said, oh, I was going to retire, but now I'm not um, just because of the Vegas. And they all had super positive reactions. But I mean, like, why wouldn't you as a driver like, oh, I get a good chauffeur around like one of the craziest party places in the world for a weekend and live like ultra luxury like I'm approaching that race from like a every man's perspective because I am that like it wouldn't be fun unless you're mega rich Absolutely. when you're getting like Absolutely. private interests and chauffeured and all that stuff. But I did want to talk about quickly before we run out of time because we're doing a short episode here. Um, this race being added is now putting is kind of showing Formula One's hands at they're adding these races and it's putting other races at risk, notably the French GP, which the contract's expiring there because they're at their cap or they're approaching the cap of races that they currently have in in their plan at 25, right? This means now they have 24 um, and they're talking about adding other tracks as well. Um, what do you guys think about like if adding these gimmicky type of event? And I, I can't say it's gimmicky because we don't know how it's going to be, but like to me, off the the cuff, it is a gimmick. Yeah. yeah, it is a gimmicky and it's losing potentially like the Paul Ricard circuit or even there's talks about like Monaco coming off the calendar, which is a crazy thought because that's like been the Super Bowl for motor racing forever. But I found out um, Monaco is one of the only tracks that doesn't pay fees. So like and it doesn't really produce good racing to that point, like it's. The spectacle itself is cool. The track is very cool when they're, you know, driving foot to the floor on a qualifying lap. But the racing, if we're honest, isn't that great. So what do you guys think about these new races coming on board to knock out classic tracks? 
I mean, obviously I have a, I have a, I have multiple Monaco posters and paintings in my home. So I, I wouldn't want to see Monaco go as much as the race is just a spectacle. I think it's an important piece. And I kind of look at all of this as like a big picture thing, right? You know, you need the glitz and glamour and, you know, the, the photo ops, right? Like even just thinking about the drivers, take away the fact that they're going to be spoiled little brats being chauffeured around everywhere and given access to everything that every common human on the planet will never even know exists, right? The fact that they get to drive down the strip and get a photo of them in their own F1 car racing to have that is, is like, it's an amazing thing, right? Like think of like, it's, it's crazy enough that, that someone would even get to get to drive a formula one car, right? It's 20, 20 to 30 guys a year. You know, maybe if you include the, the, you know, the W and F2 and F3, like, okay, let's, let's say a hundred people a year, get that opportunity to drive these types of cars. Then you, then you layer in all of the different aspects of like, well, you could be gone by the time this comes around. So I totally understand where they could be coming from as far as drivers, even just like Monaco, right? It's a very special nostalgic place for a lot of people. And to be able to, it's not just Charles Leclerc, you know, being from there that, that enjoys that race in terms of the, the opportunity to just live that life for that day or that weekend or whatever. So I think that, you know, I, I think Vegas is just one of those, another one of those added to the list of like, okay, we're trying to find this balance, right? Because some tracks are not, some tracks are not entertaining to people outside of the race itself. And I think if you're looking at it from the big picture view of like where formula one is headed, you know, you're going to need a mix of these, right? Like having one in America, knowing that America is like kind of the uh, outside of China, America is like the, the, the forgotten fan base for formula one or it has been for the past 50 years. So now you have that pinnacle, like, cool, this is the iconic photos and you're going to be able to bring in new people, but the expansion of all of this and the, and the growth of formula one and the tracks that we're going to eventually see added or, or removed is going to be really interesting because to your point, Todd, Passing doesn't happen in Formula One the same way it does in, say, NASCAR, which is, you know, still massively popular in America. Although I think I saw something that said that NASCAR was actually passed over by Formula One this past race, which is an interesting fact that we can talk about in a future episode. But to think about that, right, we've had the conversation about, you know, potentially expansion teams and, and you know, Rowett's third Red Bull team. But like this week as well. Porsche, uh, I say VW Group announced that Porsche and Audi will be entering into Formula One or have the opportunity to in the future, right? So you're talking about another two teams potentially. Um, and those are manufacturers who don't play lightly. I mean, when Porsche enters into other racing sanction, racing bodies and, you know, um, they'll go two, three, four teams deep when they enter. They, they, they come hard to, to, you know, to win. So if they do that, then we're looking at, you know, Let's say we we up to I mean, this sounds crazy to even think as a fan that's been watching for so long. But let's say we get to 30 teams and potentially like 30 races in the next two to three, five years, maybe. I mean, the, the, the tracks have to be expanded in some way, right? Like this is it's just too crowded, you know, like we talked about how dangerous it is in Jeddah just from it being a narrow track right now. Imagine putting another 50 percent more cars on the grid if that happens. So I think we're going to see some interesting changes to the existing tracks. I think, you know, places like like Monaco are never going to change. 
but I don't necessarily think that that race will go away. Although the money side of it will be the negotiating factor. And, you know, both, both sides are going to be like, we don't need your money. You know, like it's going to be an uppity conversation from both sides, but I think it's, some, I think it, it adds some, uh, it adds like a, a layer of, you know, curiosity to the sport, you know, to see where it's going as somebody who's been a fan. Right. I don't know that that matters to the newcomers to the sport, but all of these things weigh heavily into like how the sport works and what teams are successful and all of the drivers that are even chosen. Right. Because as we've seen throughout the, you know, the last few years, the money comes from people that just want to put their son in a seat. Then that doesn't necessarily make for great racing for everyone. So as much as Vegas might not be the best race on the calendar and it might be just a showman's, you know, a showmanship type of thing and, you know, glossing over the, the racing aspect of, of the weekend, it will bring in big time money, big time sponsors that will, you know, in a weird way, like create opportunity for drivers that didn't have it handed to them the way that a lot of, you know, the drivers that, that have been in and out of formula one for the past decade have. Yeah. No, I think as you were, waxing poetic i i just hope i live long enough to see a nepotism division in formula one because it's kind of skewing that way right because we have three paid drivers at this point and two of them were actually no sorry r.i.p here's the obligatory mazepin uh, mention he was he's no longer in the league but yeah that's what's scary to me the thing that you brought up that i find very interesting and as one of those newcomers to the sport I'm all for sacred cows being put down, and it seems like Monaco is one of those sacred cows that holds a certain spot in a lot of traditionalist hearts. But you guys know better context, especially around some of the other tracks. Like, would a season of Formula One be diluted, let's say, if the French Grand Prix was not taking place? Because as far as I know, the holy trinity of untouchable tracks are Monaco, Spa, and Monza, and everything, and Silverstone, I guess. Well, let's make it a Mount Rushmore. Those are the four that I continually read up on or hear a lot about that are untouchable. You can't mess with them at all. Everything else seems to be in the play in terms of we could maybe get rid of it and maybe skip it this year. Like, I think as long as certain sacred cows are there, people don't care. But like, what are your four Mount Rushmore tracks that they have to take place for this formula one season to matter in the grand scheme of things. Oh man, that's on the spot. Um, let's say Austin, because that's like the American race to me. I think Miami and Vegas are just going to be spectacles as we talked about. So Austin Silverstone, because that's like one of my favorite tracks, uh, Brazil and spa i guess but i think like a note on spa like it's already been talked about solely due to the dangerous nature of a rouge and that like a rouge radion corner and like the that's where jules bianchi died that they had massive crashes in the the rain last year um it, it it's already being talked like they they changed the corner a little bit this year but they're already kind of it's in the conversation about a track that might go away so it, it could be a sacred cow, but it's, I don't know, time could be short. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm probably right there with Todd in terms of those those tracks. Um, you know, like I said, Monaco is still really special to me just because it's like aspirational. And, you know, seeing Senna and, you know, all, you know, 
pick your favorite racer, right? It's like a like Madison Square Garden. Years, like I think of... we've mentioned that in the past where like every driver has to have that moment in Monaco for them to be viewed as like an authentic driver in a yeah. sense. I mean, I, I think, I think it's, uh, if anything, adding tracks, you know, I, I think Todd and I would probably agree. Like you could pick a track based on the year and, and it could be ranked way higher than a previous year, just based on the racing that happens there. You know, like that's really what it comes down to is like the memories that are forged at these tracks. So, you know, like Todd might not like the idea of Vegas right now. But if there's an incredible race at Vegas somehow that we can't predict or we're not thinking is going to happen, it changes your perspective on it. You're like, you wait for them to come back the next time around to see what happened, you know, like, and I think like we've talked about the drivers, you know, having those memories, like they remember when they got passed by another driver on the grid from 10 years ago. Like the, so th those types of things, they can't exist in new tracks. Right. And you know, that's a part of the racing. That's not something that you see or talk about normally, but it exists so much. You know, I think of like going to Laguna Seca and watching America Le Mans and, you know, I'm a flying lizards fan. They used to race against, you know, the, the Corvette team back in the day and the Reese com competition Ferraris and like the battles that those three teams had at Laguna Seca. Like if you want to go down a rabbit hole of racing, that was just incredible and incredibly back and forth for years. I mean, it was like 10 solid years of like, cool, this is going to be the deciding factor of the season at the very last race. I would say seven to eight out of those 10 years, one of those three teams was risk at risk of losing the, the title going into that final race. And to have that just, you know, it just makes it so fun as a fan. You just get everybody's into it. Everybody's excited because it's there's so much weighing on it. You know, I just think of like, Last year's final race, we haven't had something like that where everyone was watching the final race. Granted, you know, all the shit show aside that it happened afterwards and during and all of that. But like to get to that point in Formula One, for me, has felt very missing in terms of not just it happening on the track, but the people and the fans that I know being into it and watching and, and like locked into to that, you know, event. So I think like the the. Uh, that part of it is going to be really fascinating to me. The other part is, you know, this is the kind of stuff that makes tracks better, right? If we, if we know that tracks are going to get cut or, you know, potentially expand, then, then tracks have to go look at like, why do people not like coming here? Is it dangerous? Do, are we too far away from things? Is there enough of a draw? Like all of these things, right? Like there's a lot of variables that go into choosing a track in my opinion. So I think that, if if anything, like hopefully some of these tracks and maybe it's maybe it's the French Grand Prix, um, you know, maybe it's spa, right? Like the, the changes that have kind of been talked about and asked for by drivers over the years, this might force the hand, right? Like, you know, you're not going to see Monaco expand the streets into, you know, the yachts, but like the rest of these tracks have the opportunity to make some some changes. And, you know, that could lead to even new tracks coming onto the scene that we don't know about. Right. You know, there's. There's a lot of other good tracks in America, even they're just a little bit further away and they're not really a destination spot, right? Like road America is a beautiful track, but it's way out in the middle of Wisconsin. You know, it's hard to get to it's, it's, you know, unless you're road tripping there, it's not very convenient in any way. Um, I think of like, uh, forget the, the track that's in Utah that, uh, what's his name built a few years back, which is like, was built for formula one 10 years ago, but it's just 
it's just so far away. It's, you know, it's a three hour drive or whatever from Salt Lake City. So it's not easy to get to for for tourists and fans. And I think those types of things you have to take into consideration. And for for America, we're not to the point where people are going to drive three hours to go to go attend a race yet. The three of us might. But like we don't have a big enough fan base because think I think about like the way I'm not I'm not applauding NASCAR in any way. I'm I'm a an avid NASCAR hater. I just think we can turn more than left or right or whatever the direction is. I don't even remember now. But I will say, if you ever drive past a NASCAR event at a track anywhere, Sonoma, wh- wherever, right? Like Sonoma Probably being closest it. to me, just down the road. It is ridiculous how many people show up for these races. And that to me should be at least some sort of pinnacle guiding light for Formula One in terms of like, wow, it's really successful when you get, you know, people literally follow the follow the the, the tour of races around the country for the entire season and take their motorhomes and like, but it's thousands of people that do that. It's not just like a handful of people from up the up the road a few hours it's literally thousands of people for every race and you know that that diehard following is is hard to repeat but i think formula one is moving towards that you know like there's there's a lot of opportunities for them to do that and i think you know at some point in the in the future of this podcast we end up talking about like what it looks like to expand or or rotate tracks or whatever that is you know like i don't know that teams can handle you know more than let's say, let's say 30 races would be really, really pushing it. But like you could envision something where, you know, maybe, maybe a driver doesn't race all 30 races and maybe a third driver that's a, you know, that is a part of that drives multiple races if they can't travel as easily or whatever that is. So I think the sport is just evolving into something that's going to increase the opportunity for people to be involved. And to me, that's always a, a cool thing to see. I think what we've seen, and the last thing I'll say is directly to Nick's point, cash is king. They want people, they want butts in the seats. They're going to keep going to cities that have a destination type draw, and we're going to get more street circuits. Um, and it's it's just going to go that way because this is a multi-billion dollar uh, Industry. entity. Sport. And yeah. Whatever F one, I think was <clears throat> valued at like eight or nine billion dollars um, a couple of years ago. So like it's only cares about making money, and we're gonna have to roll with the punches. Let's say so. But a uh, couple of updates. Do we do we talk fantasy? Let's do it. So this was a much closer week. Uh, for the exhaust notes pod draft, um, again, just in order on screen here from the Jetta race, uh, myself, I ended up with 48 points, and that's including mixed DNF or did not DNS, I guess it would be, did not start because he hit the wall. Um, hope he's feeling better. Uh, Nick, 47 points, including two DNFs, which is like staggering that you. Wow. We're right there um, after two DNFs, but he had a pretty good race. Uh, Rohit uh, on 43 points, including two DNFs, which is, again, magical. Um, and then uh, tied for P3 was Aaron on 
43 points and also two DNFs. So I really got screwed in the first race with the DNFs because I was like 20 points behind you guys. But um, I, I, I really am enjoying this kind of weird fantasy draft thing that we did because, as you can see, I think this is even with DNFs, we'll see kind of a fair spread of points. Somebody might have a good week. Somebody might have a bad week. But No, I mean, I think it's going to ultimately come down to who can have the least amount of DNFs because at this point it seems like we're all going to get at least one a week. Seeming that way yeah. so far. It definitely makes it more interesting than, you know, like we've been doing the, the F1 Fantasy League, right? I, I think that it's it's it makes it more fun to have more involvement up and down the grid, right? Like, you know, if if you're still scoring points as a as, you know, a guy that barely, you know, pulls it around for the last place on the grid, then it's it's just more interesting to me. It's it's it feels more it feels like more people involved you know like just more exciting to like pay attention to it even gives us the potential to literally have latifi decide a championship which as that's been jokes a lot about a lot that he is the the goat at deciding deciding races as of late um and then <laughs> the uh the discord fantasy league uh, we had an interesting week again. Um, shout out to Rohit for coming in P2. Uh, we had nice. Iron Trev, our Canadian brother, uh, in P3. And Vertappen that ass, uh, Nicholas C, uh, got top of the podium last week in Jeddah, 223 points. Overall season standings, not looking as great for us. Um Nicholas C again is at the top of the top of the league uh, with uh, Iron Trev, Trevor in Canada, and uh, our good friend and Max Verstappen, Stan, Aaron Nojima coming up P3 for the season so far. Oh, wow. I didn't realize he was that high up. No, um, this is me being a hater. I actually took a 10 point penalty because I made four substitutions. So that's why, had I not made that final substitution to bring Checo on to the fighting Ocons, I may have had a shot, but he was also part of the reason why I rallied as much as I did. So we will see. We are, we're moving on. We're moving on to Australia. Please do better, Yuki. Please do better. I've got him in both <laughs> yeah. things and he's just Captain DNF right now. So get to Vegas, yep. Yuki. That's all I yeah. want for you, my son. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Oh, uh, I mean, I don't know. Lots of news. Lots of news. Australia up next, which you know, for for fans that have been around, used to be the first race of the season. So it's uh, going to be interesting. Yeah, I watched the replay actually, or started to watch the replay of the last time we raced there, and I can't believe that it's been since 2019 since we've been to Adelaide. Yeah. So crazy. Danny Rick was still in the Renault. Carlos Sainz was still on McLaren. It was interesting to see. Yeah. Australia is always a, a, like the fans in Australia make it fun. It's kind of like Brazil. Like the race could turn out to be shit and it seems to be entertaining to some extent anyway, because the fans are so passionate. So um, I, I, it's always one of my favorite races. I'm really excited for it. It's again, going to be a night race for us because I think it's a 10 PM start on a Saturday. Um, but they made some track changes 
this over the last winter. Um, so it, that combined with the new regulations, I think it's going to be a really good race. Three for three. Good races. That's all we want. Yep. Yeah. So I'm going to actually try to live stream uh, during that race. So you can you can find the link in the description for this episode and then we'll figure out like how we're going to do that. Obviously, we can't stream the race itself, but we have a pretty good group, group of people in the discord. That'll be in the description as well if you want to check it out and connect with people and just talk in between races. Um, but I think it'll be a fun way for us to like hop on and chat when we can for future races and practices and all those things that we can kind of squeeze in because we're probably all watching them off and on throughout the year anyway. We won't always be available for it, but I think it'll be fun and uh, just give us an, another way to connect with all of you that are listening and, and enjoying the show so far. So appreciate all of you for that. If you have a chance, leave us a review on iTunes, hit subscribe or give us a review, follow or a rating on Spotify, Amazon Music, all those places. But more importantly, I guess just connect with my co-hosts here. Guys, how, how can I connect with you? You can find me on Instagram at RoadM13. You can find me on Twitter at Rohizi. On Instagram at TEZ and on Twitter at TEZF1. I'm at Nick Ingvall on all the platforms. And most importantly, forgot what I was going to say. Leave us a review. Leave us a review. review. Join us in the Discord. Exhaust Notes FM. Yep. Oh, yeah. Exhaust Notes FM on all the social platforms as well. We'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for following along. Peace. V for Vegas.